Welcome to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as per the usual by my special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. It is Adam Brown. Jay, what a, what a great show today. Man, uh, what a good one. Robert Glazer, super smart guy, author, founder, CEO of Acceleration Partners. One of the things I, I think I've told you before is the whole idea of affiliate marketing and performance marketing, not something that I know as much about as I know about other topics. So probably like you last week, this week, I was the one taking copious notes from our guest. Well, and I love that because so much of what we do in social, right, that the story is always, oh, it's not measurable enough. It's not accountable enough. It's not trackable enough. And and in many ways, it can be if you use a lot of the mm-hmm. principles that Robert and his team use uh, running performance programs for many of the largest brands in the world. You're going to get a lot out of this one, especially if you're in any kind of commerce company. This is uh, This is gold. I, I agree. And just understand how this space is is changing and transforming as you have agencies like Acceleration Partners, the, uh, the platforms themselves, and the, uh, the affiliates and the, uh, the content creators, um, all kind of in this new ecosystem that's, that's moving as quickly as we can. Yeah, I love it. This week on Social Pros, Robert Glazer, CEO of Acceleration Partners. Enjoy the episode. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Hey, friends, it's Jay Bear. Thanks so much for listening to Social Pros. Before we get into today's show, a quick acknowledgement of our sponsors. Our friends at ICUC are sponsoring the show this week. If you're getting ready to put together your 2019 marketing plan, your marketing strategy, which you probably are, I bet a lot of you are trying to work on that. ICUC can help you make better data-driven decisions that will improve your 2019 approach. ICUC can, kind of on the side, develop some really interesting reports and analysis using social media strategic insights, which will give you a deeper understanding of your audience, your market, and your competitors, and it will empower you to develop a 2019 strategy that best targets, reaches, engages, and retains your customers. If you need a little strategic bump, a little help for 2019, Take a look at ICUC. They can give you a hand. Go to icuc.social slash plan 2019. That's icuc.social slash plan 2019. And of course, the show is brought to you as always by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, social more important than ever for B2B in 2019 and beyond. If you haven't done so, Download the complete guide to social media for B2B marketers from our friends at Salesforce. Super useful document. Best types of content, best channels to use, all kinds of new information about advanced social listening and B2B. Check it out. Totally free. 
bit.ly slash social B2B guide. That's bit.ly slash social B2B guide. Social B, the number two B guide, all lowercase, all one word. Thanks so much to this week's sponsors. And now here is the Social Pros podcast. Here we are once again on Social Pros. This week's guest, Robert Glazer, CEO of Acceleration Partners, author of the terrific book, Performance Partnerships. Bob, thanks so much for being on the program. Fantastic to have you here. Thanks, Jay. Excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about the world of performance marketing and and what you do in Acceleration Partners. You and I have had this conversation a couple of times. I feel like your take on the market and the services that you provide in your company are really interesting and unusual, and it is absolutely the right time for what you do. Explain it a little bit to our listeners, if you would, please. We manage large-scale affiliate or what we call performance partnership programs for our clients, really separate from the platform. I think for you know many years, people went to a, a large network and got their uh, the platform and the services together. In other industries, you know, the Facebook is disconnected from the agency. Or what would Google. be a platform in that world, just so everybody knows what we're talking about? Every, every every single one has changed their name, but the names of people probably, <laughs> are they, to protect the innocent, or, yeah, or are they are they evading? Share, which is now Rocket Link Top share, Marketing sure. yep. Commission Junction, Pepper Jam in an affiliate window, so full service yep. networks. There, there's now the SaaS technology in the affiliate space, in which whereby people license technology and create their own program. Uh, so that inherently kind of detaches uh, itself from a network and leads to more more services. So we, we just focus on the service side and we represent the brands, not not the publishers, and help people build large global programs that might have you know ten or twenty thousand partners in it that are all paid on a on a CPA or performance basis. Is the art in that the recruitment and management, the cat herding, if you will, of these large networks of performance partners? Or is the magic in it figuring out what the the structure is of the program to incentivize people who could presumably do a program for a number of different businesses? Like, is it is it sort of the the, the financial side of it or the account management side of it that's really the gold in the in the river? It, it's really both. I think the thing that is neglected most in most programs is recruiting. A lot of people are running their programs like a sales team sitting there waiting and answering the phone for whoever calls rather than going out there. And obviously there's those people are there to be sold and make a deal rather than going out and, and, and building more partnerships. I think the truth is the programs are under-resourced and that's why. And, and you need a team that is recruiting and spending a lot of time recruiting, but it's probably the life cycle of both designing the program and the strategy to be attractive. We always say then, then there's getting them to join the program. Then there is, <laughs> yeah. You know, then there is engaging them and to getting them to do stuff within the yeah. program. So it's, a, it's a funnel, right? It's a funnel it, like anything else. Yeah, it actually it follows almost the exact acquisition cycle of the business itself. But the funny thing is, no one's ever thought of it that way. Yeah, when, when you're when you're thinking about a potential performance partner, so uh, an individual influencer, a performance based uh, company. When you're recruiting them, are, are you recruiting them because they have demonstrated the ability to put up sales for other companies, other brands, other products? Or are you recruiting them because maybe they're just a quote unquote regular influencer who's getting paid to send tweets? And maybe you're like, hey, you know what? You could actually get a back end on this if we actually made it performance driven or, or is it a hybrid there? I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I was gonna say, I don't want to answer all your questions both, but, but actually, you know, you, you go to the tried and true and, and, and the people, you know, that have performed really well in other industries or programs, but 
usually the, the key win for a program is finding that person who is sort of new to the space or the ecosystem. And this is where the message is different, right? My, my message to a publisher who I knew was a big affiliate and worked with networks would be, hey, can you join this program? To someone else who I saw, you know, maybe AdSense or Amazon or other monetization, I would say, hey, we think you'd be really great for this. My, my best example is we, we have a client in the subscription meet business and, and they built they 10x their business, grass-fed uh, meat, they, they 10x their business over three years by going and finding five or six key influencers in the paleo community and, and, and setting up tracked and measured relationships on a performance basis. They said, hey, you know, we want, we, we, we've never done this before. We want, you know, guarantees. And, and the company was called ButcherBox said to them, all right, well, how about we'll guarantee you a little bit, but honestly, we think we'll do better on this. So let's track it, measure it and pay on it. And and they actually made more money and, and they kind of went all in on it. So that's a great example for me of someone who we consider like a, a performance yeah. partner who may not have been a, a traditional affiliate. Is that yeah. recipes and that kind of thing? Is that where the... the yeah, lifestyle, yeah. recipe, you know, so anyone who's a hardcore paleo would be really interested in grass-fed beef being sent to their door. You know, another pocket that we're seeing is mass media publishers. You know, they, with all the display fraud and stuff, their CPM rates have plummeted 80%. In, in the programs that we manage, these large magazines and mass media publishers are coming in the performance space, being willing to work on a performance basis. We've seen revenue from that segment up about 70% year over year. Wow. As a follow-up to Jay's question, I'm curious, Robert, what are the big changes you're seeing and what brands are looking for in their partners? Are they looking for a different type of creator? Are they looking for a different angle? Are they looking for credibility or influence in a different way? You mentioned kind of in the open how things are so changing in the space. I'm curious how that, how, how the person who's coming to you, the brand who's coming to you is asking for things different than maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, well, if I can back it all the way up to 10 years ago, kind of mimic what I talked about in the book. 10 years ago, the affiliate space was don't ask, don't tell. If you get a transaction, you pay the person on it and kind of like, you don't even want to know. (laughs) A sale is a sale. Now with all these brands... It's like Chicago politics, but with e-commerce. Right. Like I gave you the sale. Don't ask any questions. In fact... 10 years ago when running programs, if you were to ask a publisher about what they were doing, they would be offended, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. These days, I think brands see this more as digital business development. And so they want a relationship. They want an on-brand partner. They want to know what's going on. And and all the technology to track, measure, and pay around that has grown. But we used to do these audits of programs. And I remember one time we hadn't signed an NDA yet. And I talked about this in the book. And our, our, our president, Matt, said to the person in one of the companies, look, I'm guessing your top seven publishers are X, Y, Z. And the, and the person sort of freaked out. And they were like, well, how do you know this information? And he said, because they're everyone's top seven publishers, right? Every program had the same large scale deal, coupon incentive publishers. Brands today are thinking, look, if I'm a shoe company, I should have a different top 10 in terms of my publishers than if I'm a wedding invitation company. There should be people talking about shoes and fashion, and there should be people talking about, about weddings. So I, I think they want relevance, Adam. I mean, that's, they want relevance and they want, you know, the first time the, the brand and performance is, is kind of overlapping and they really want, um, they want to make sure that those people are representing their brand in a positive way. 
Robert, I'm curious kind of where the budget for this, uh, for affiliate marketing programs is, is coming from. And are you seeing a shift as well in that? You know, one of the interesting things, at least for me, about affiliate marketing uh, type programs is, is, this, is the budget for this kind of coming from, from comms and PR because it's around content creation? Is it coming from marketing because there is a, a direct attribution here? Or is it seen as a sales activity so it's coming directly from the sales organization? A, kind of where is that homeroom? And B, is it shifting as well with all the other aspects of, of these types of programs? I, I think the answer is yes. And, and one of the things about what we say a new performance program, partnership program, is the company decides they want this to be their single program. And they either sign up with a network and they sign up with a platform. And it just becomes a scalable way to track and measure partners. And then different types of departments get in on the action, right? So you have the traditional affiliate base. You have the, the PR influencer team who says, look, we've been managing way too many of these people, you know, 200 of them. We don't even know if they can do anything. Why don't we set them up with accounts and see what they can do? We've even seen like the business development team. We call it BD hmm. Light, the stuff that they were like, look, if I went to Salesforce business development team and it's a deal that's under $50,000, they're going to say, go away. That could become a great partner, you know, in one of these in one of these programs. So the budget actually starts coming from a bunch of different places as people look at building a a holistic program that covers a lot of uh, traditionally different channels. And, and also, yeah, that partner and biz dev, I think, is is one of the biggest growing segments. Your example about the paleo uh, for for the uh, subscription meat organization, Grass-Fed Beef, is interesting uh, it, because it's so contextually relevant, right? Where a paleo influencer, Grass-Fed Beef, do you find that to be more true today than it was yesterday that that the partners that really succeed are those that have a community or a topical influence that really matches up with the brand as opposed to it's just sort of a, a mechanism for for creating landing pages and doing paid search and just kind of you know sort of amazon miniature yeah, I, th I think it's both. You have the barbell. I think you have your really large publishers that that are around deals or loyalty or just have scale. But what a, coupon, a lot of coupon sites and that kind of thing. Yeah, coupon and loyalty and comparison shopping and even Google's getting into the sort of CPA space. But on the other side, you have people really trying to aggregate these micro influencers and and uh, particularly in the influencer space. What they're seeing is, let's say it's a something about a pet. Uh, something that the company of pet medicine or something like that, you know, rather than going to a Kim Kardashian and paying $10 million for sort of a inauthentic mass market post, they would, you know, recruit a hundred of these people with maybe followings of 10 to $50,000 and see a real lift by, by aggregating a bunch of folks who have, have relevant audiences and who are talking much more authentically and on brand about, about the product rather than, you know, I think the gen one of influencers was, okay, what is X influencer going to be peddling today that they're really not authentically interested in? To that end, with that that changing mixture of performance partners, do you find a difference now in the venues and formats that performance uh, messaging can occur? So I, I assume that you know Instagram performance based Instagram wasn't a thing that long ago. Now I suspect it certainly is. Uh, Snapchat, etc. There, there seems to me to be lots of other uh, fields for you to plow that didn't exist in the past. 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, one manifestation of that is 10 years ago when we were running a program, we would put so many banner ads in the platform, a hundred by a hundred, you know, and no one used any of these anymore. It's every like, size, every kind of size, every size, you skyscraper, load, leaderboard, postage stamp, 720 by 90. Yep. Like, no one does this anymore. It's mostly text links. And that gives you the sense of how people are, are it's deep text links or product links that people are using these in their, on their Facebook, they're using it in social, they're putting them on Instagram you know, Instagram doesn't make it as easy to direct link to things that, but, but I think chat, you know, and, and, and within apps is, yeah. is sort of the next frontier of, so you have the smart AI thing and it, and, and you say, look, find me a pair of socks and it brings you three choices and you click on one of the three right in a, in a, in a chat window and buy it, that, that is going to be probably some sort of tracked link. Robert Glazer, founder and CEO of uh, Acceleration Partners. Great to have you on the show. One of the things you told us in the pre-show was um, your, your kind of passion and enthusiasm for Instagram. And you had said something that really kind of stuck with me. And you said, in your opinion, Instagram is really the only platform that can sell lifestyle and culture. And I, I kind of took, took that and I began to realize, yeah, you know, there, there, there's something actually to that. So I'm, I'm curious if you could elaborate on that, you know, and why is that? Is it because of the emphasis on photography and imagery? Is it just because of how people are using Instagram and how brands are using Instagram as well as the, the consumers? Curious around lifestyle and culture, obviously a huge part of what you're doing on behalf of, of your clients and your customers. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I think that it's not dissimilar to, I would have said, Five years ago, when a company had a blog, you know, the best blog that they could have really never touched their product. So we had a company yeah. in the lifestyle design space and it was about color and it was about and they really, you know, you would go to it because it was a great style blog, not because it was shilling products. And, and that was a choice that they made. You know, Instagram, again, good choice. Yeah, good choice. Now there's it's you're starting to get more sort of linking a product placement. But the only way to build a following was really through this kind of lifestyle and culture and image and 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 showing like what your brand looks like and feels like it, what you couldn't click here. So in some ways, I actually think it was a blessing for everyone and that forced them to, you know, find relevant imagery and on brand stuff to build their their followings. But but it was it, companies grew these tremendous followings on Instagram without any ability to have a transactional component. What we're seeing is that transactional component is now starting to come into these things. And I'm interested to see whether that sort of ruins the quality of the communication for some brands <laughs> now that they they couldn't before, right? right. And now that and now they can. I mean we have one client who's in the bracelet space and they have just built this incredible following. And if you just went on the it's all about the lifestyle and the brand and the things that they represent and you know, it, that that's built a loyal, a loyal audience for them. Yeah, I've been thinking about this idea. I'll take the take your temperature on this, both you guys, because I haven't written it yet. I'm gonna write a blog post tomorrow. And I've been thinking about doing this, this, this thing that everybody is so concerned about attention, and they spend so much time trying to create the best movie, right? We got to hire the best actors, we got to have the best special effects, we got to have the best CGI, going to have the best budget, but, but really what you need to do is create the best documentary. Like just show people what your company does and what your products do. Right. And, and, and let's not worry about, can we afford Brad Pitt? Like, let's just make a good documentary. It feels like that's a, a strategy that we need to embrace even more. 
Yeah, and, and, and to exactly that point, if you think about how Instagram is letting brands do that, they're creating the documentaries with their own authentic customers, right? Free, yeah, right. free uh, actors <laughs> who, are, yeah. who are showing other potential customers how they are living with that brand. No doubt. I would, I would assume a lot of our listeners are in situations where they're trying to push their CMO or whoever they kind of report up to in an organization to do these types of things. And as you said, the idea of creating lifestyle type of, of content is a little bit of a Trojan horse. You know, we're going to yeah. wheel that lifestyle Trojan horse in there and then the, uh, the ads and the call to actions are going to kind of come out in the middle of the night. What would you tell a, a social pro who's trying to get their CMO or other senior leader to kind of go on this journey, to recognize how we can't always talk about call to actions, we can't always talk about the product, we've got to build a category before we can start to sell the brand. Any, any advice there? Yeah, I think to set the clear expectations that it is a, it is a long-term play. And I think that you know, Jay, I think we've talked about this in the past, but the biggest mistake that companies make is trying to be average at six channels when they would be better off picking yeah. one or two and being great at it. So I, if you have someone doing Instagram full-time and they have the effort to be great at it, it, it probably will work and you'll build that audience. If you're trying to check the boxes of being across Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and, and kind of half in in all those areas, I, I've never seen that that work for anyone. So I... I <laughs> Instagram is not a it's not a conversion channel. I think right now, so not, right now, yeah. Not that I say they can't convert, but I think if you're spending all that time and energy, you're talking about well, let's say it, it can convert. You just can't see it, right? You're talking about building an audience with the faith that that a loyal, engaged audience will lead to yeah. um, conversions. If you build it, they will come and click. They will watch. I suspect that you think, Bob, that there are some lessons for social media marketers, even if they are not in the performance space per se, but but what you do in terms of holding marketing accountable on both sides of the ledger, um, using math, using testing, using optimization, I, I suspect there's some things that, that um, our listeners can really benefit from, even if they're not, for whatever reason, in the performance space today. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, the lesson that I that I have just learned, and this goes to my writing and campaigns, is really create the most value for the user, and you will get the most in return for that. So even the best performance campaigns, they're really good. Again, they're not trying to be clickbait or linkbait. There's something that's really authentic. They may they may talk about a toaster and everything they love about it and hate about it, and then have a link. and And if you're cool with the things that they hate about it, then 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 you buy the toaster and they get paid. And I think it's the same thing with Instagram. I, the people that I've found are, are the most successful in, in whatever they're doing are, are, are authentic. And then they're really good at it. And then everyone tries to catch up with them by gaming it. And it doesn't. Yeah. And, and they're not, and they're inauthentic by definition. Is that yeah. You can't Correct. game authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really doing it because they want to do it. I mean, if you talk to people who have a great Instagram, I mean, they, they're focused on it. They believe in it. They believe they're sharing valuable stuff. That's different than a marketer who's saying, oh, I think this one will convince people to, to, to do X. So I, I, I think sometimes people get the, the cause and effects all mixed up. And, and you know, I, it's funny, I, I got reminded this. I, I mean, I'm working on my second book now and the editor looked at it and was like, the reader doesn't care about this. The reader doesn't care about this. <laughs> there were things that I cared about, but the reader didn't care about. It. And they were, it, was, it was a great point on like really even thinking about being customer centric in that, in that way. 
Another interesting thing, uh, Robert, that you mentioned uh, in the in the pre-show was uh, two platforms that I hadn't thought about in a while, and that was Medium and Quora, uh, two platforms that you know four or five years ago I loved and embraced and was was active on it. Haven't heard a lot about these platforms in a while, but it sounds as though they're working for you uh, with Acceleration Partners and they're working for your customers. What are we, what are we doing wrong, and why haven't we heard about these uh, platforms in a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it's it's not dissimilar to what I, I was saying before in a different way. I, if you invest in it, you know, one of the one of the ways that we have been using them is in syndication. Um, so you know, it's there's also syndicating stuff that we've already written, and there's a lot of syndication that actually comes off of Core and Medium, where where things that are popular are are pulled. If you commit on a regular basis to create, it's the type of thing where I think you have to do it for 300 days. And then on day 302, you start to see the value. Um, but the, but that's what I've seen that 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 I had, you know, I started um, taking some of my best content, syndicating it, putting it up on those platforms, stuff that I didn't even already written that I thought could get different exposure. And, you know, it goes, the effort goes like this. And then all of a sudden it, it hockey sticks up once you've put up out enough stuff into the world that other people value. Um, so I think, again, if you're trying to gamify it, <laughs> just like SEO, if you're trying to get the quick, it, 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 but if you really, if you commit to doing it, you know, I was inspired by a guy I work with. He, he, he committed to write an article, you know, every year on medium for an entire year. And then by year two, he was one of the top X writers on the entire medium platform. Wow. I, I think that might be one of the mistakes that the companies and individuals make. It's, it's almost like a syndicating a, a TV show. You can't do it until you have seven seasons in the can. Yeah. And until you have a massive content there, um, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to begin to syndicate it and to get those eyeballs and to get the link love that those two platforms are going to. to yeah. I, w- I went back to a lot of my content from two or three years ago, which I realized a lot of people hadn't seen. I had new audience. I updated, you know, I, I updated it each post in five or ten minutes, made it relevant, and and suddenly, you know, it hits a whole a whole other audience. So I I think that the, the the way that things syndicate from one place to another these days, I, I think we need a little more. Everyone could leverage, reduce, reuse, recycle more yeah. in terms of their content strategy. Right. Once use many. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to ask you is is the tactics and mechanics of running all of these partners. I mean, you've got programs where you've got literally thousands of participants in, in these programs. Yeah. How do you keep that all straight? I mean, the messaging, the disclosures, the detail, I mean, there's just a lot of moving pieces there. It makes my head hurt even thinking it, about it. Obviously, you've got very, very talented people on your team and acceleration partners, but 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 how do you kind of keep everybody uh, in, in the same sandbox? Yeah, no, it's it's a good question, and 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 you know, not it sounds like a bad marketing pitch for what we do, but but it's but I would say it's not rocket science. I think one of the biggest things that we found in this industry was that the the staffing to revenue ratio of the programs was out of whack. You know, people were either managing five channels in house and doing it, or they they were working with a network that has twenty five account reps. Uh, oh, sorry, one account rep per twenty five programs, and and you can't possibly stay on all of this stuff. So. One of the things that we, we, we have accounts that have 10 global accounts that have 10 full-time people on it. You know, we think if it's a real channel, it takes real resources and there's different specialists from the creative specialist to the fraud specialist. So we, we centralize a lot of those things like fraud and application and the things that you can develop highly scalable, repeatable processes around it, learn. 
And then we put the creative and strategy talent out in the account management team closer to the client to say, look, here are the best practices of things that we know how to do well and how to recruit and find fraud and apply and, and do that. But let's think about what your program needs, what the right strategy is, what the creative is, and, and let's make sure that we have the right resource level on it. You know, we turn down a lot of programs. We refer them to other people. Our, 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 we only, our, our minimum is sort of a half-time person on a program because they look, if you're not willing to put a half-time person on this channel, you're not really committed to, to making the, the channel work. Robert, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the fraud. And I'm assuming one of the things that your uh, your customers and clients get is a peace of mind that you're on top of that and that you're managing it. Talk a little bit about what the fraud is and and kind of how you're mitigating that that risk uh, on behalf of the brands. Sure. I mean, first off, I'm a believer in uh, one of my favorite quotes is and I used in the book is is uh, Charlie Munger. You know, Warren Buffett's number two says, "Show me, show me the behavior, and uh, show me the incentive, and I'll tell you the behavior." Yeah. So, so the problem is, fraud has paid for a lot of people in a lot of marketing channels right. where the people are so are, so are, is spam, right? People, and and, and right. so has uh, telemarketing and all the things that we hate. Like it wouldn't happen if it didn't pay off at some level, right? So I'm managing a program. I'm paid on the number of do- commission dollars I pay to people. So I don't want to do things that reduce commission dollars. So first we we've, we've gotten the right incentives. We don't represent both, you know, two parties in the same transaction. Right. And, and we really try to never be tied to what anyone is is spending. We think those are bad metrics, but, but a lot of, I will say that a lot of fraud in the affiliate, there's a couple of different types of fraud. There's kind of cookie stuffing and, and, and hard fraud, the attribution fraud. There's also just low value tactics and sort of manipulating the attribution model by trying to come in at the last second and not really adding um, a lot of value. In terms of if you have good account managers who are watching a program and they see a new publisher come in on two days and they don't really understand what they do and they blip all the way up, you know, a lot of people go, oh, that's great. You know, we're more inclined to say, oh, let's ask some questions there. So what we always say is actually our, our human account managers, if they're doing their work, they should spot this stuff early. It is actually the technology might tell us how someone is cheating because we might not figure out exactly what it is they're doing without some of the technology that, that we use. But if you're just looking at the regular patterns of analysis, things that don't make sense or that are kind of aberrations usually are not positive. Occasionally they are, but, but, but they're more 80% negative to, 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 to 20% positive. And again, our, our incentives are not aligned to look the other way when, when those things happen. I also wanted to ask you about Acceleration Partners and the fact that you've been named best places to work by every organization that bestows such a thing. You've got to be really proud about the culture you've built there and and the organization uh, and your people and your team. Congratulations, first of all. That's not an easy thing sure. to do. Uh, and, and many folks who listen to this show either are uh, entrepreneurs or, or certainly entrepreneurs who are running teams and, and divisions inside companies. What, uh, what's, your, what's your tip? Yeah, my tip is is to be yourself. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about it, about a good culture is I think there's some things we think about a good culture. Hey, a good culture is one that pays people well and is nice to people. But really, a good culture is one that is consistent, I think, with what it says and what it does. So, so we really try to go out there and say, here's what we're trying to do. Here's our plan. Here's our values. Here are our goals. This is honestly how we act. If you come here and you don't like it here, it will be because of these things. It will not be because of not of these things. And not everyone, we think we have a great culture, but we think it's great for 
the probably 5% of people that we try to screen that would really do well in our environment. And a lot of other people might appreciate it, but not might want to work how we work and in the way that, that we work. And, and I, I've talked to so many um, employees and stuff that come from places, really bad cultures. And, and, and usually the number one complaint is, hey, we walked in, we saw these core values, we heard these things on day one, we just never heard them again. And, and look, we're in a services business. So our ability to att- attract and retain the best people, uh, all those awards, the biggest thing they do for us is we have this great inbound pipeline coming every week of people want to work here and our best people stay. And that allows us to offer a great service to our client because anyone who's ever bought a marketing service or a professional service, including me, knows that turnover and account management is the thing that drives clients crazy. We have turnover usually because people are being promoted um, and, and not because they're they're leaving. Uh, and and. Yeah, so I, I, I really think that if a founder doesn't know what kind of company they want to run and who they want to be and aren't clear about what they want, it's really hard to then build an authentic culture around that. I'll echo Jay's uh, point. Congratulations on your success uh, as it relates to uh, Acceleration Partners being a, a great place to work. That that means a lot. And you know, I'm lucky, uh, Salesforce, to, to be in a kind of similar type of organization yeah. that really puts a, a lot of focus on that. I'm curious, Robert, in terms of the people that you are bringing in, as you continue to uh, to grow the organization, who is the right person for your organization? And recognize you said earlier on that you've got so many different disciplines and areas of expertise. You've got fraud folks, you've got copywriters, you've got yeah. you know account executives. But are you looking for people who are maybe have been on the other side of the uh, of the uh, affiliation programs? Uh, are you looking for people who have ad or PR experience, or are you just looking for people who are passionate, who, who know how to write, who know how to communicate with, uh, with a customer or a client? Yeah, we, we have two tracks. So we have the people who have the experience. First of all, we're always looking for a combination of fit for our core values and aptitude. And aptitude is related to whatever those functions you just kind of rattled off. But one, one without the other doesn't work. We don't, I always say that your toleration of the brilliant jerk says a lot about your culture. And so we, the person who does all the right things for the wrong reasons doesn't, doesn't work at our, our company. So we really, we, we test and screen against the core values, we test on the aptitude, but at a high level, we have sort of a path for people with experience in our industry and both experience in professional services. I can't stress enough, like there's a big difference there. We have a lot of in-house affiliate managers who apply to work here. We say, look, we're in the high-end professional services business. It's it's a really different thing than, than being in-house. And I don't think enough of people appreciate that. And then because also that our industry does not produce a lot of talent, we built, as far as I know, kind of the first global program of, of an academy training program where we can hire smart digital marketers who have agency or client service experience and basically put them into a 90-day intensive program. And in a lot of cases, the upside may be higher there because we're, we can hire the best and brightest and highest aptitude person and train them versus someone who has the right experience. But, but honestly, you need a combination because we need some people coming in who have the experience on these accounts, um, but we're also, we have a pretty good program. We're doing two to three classes a year of five each where we're really building managers that, that have great cross-functional digital marketing skills and teaching them what we do. How did you create this organization? Now, did you come from the professional services world? What were you doing before you got the idea to, uh, to found uh, Acceleration Partners? I, a lot of the, I worked in strategy consulting and, and at an incubator. I think a lot of our DNA comes from 
my experience in, in sort of consulting firms were actually structured more like a consulting firm than a, than a marketing agency in terms of, you know, the marketing agency is typically you get sold by someone who's <laughs> senior and then you get a 24 year old account exec, the old which, drives, which drives everyone crazy. A consulting firm doesn't really work like that. A consulting firm, you know, the engagement manager, the person who talks to you about the strategy and stuff ends up being your project manager. There tends to be a day-to-day manager and associates and 24 year olds who are great work behind the scenes on the program. And that's actually how we're structured. So we're, we're, we actually have a, we have fewer clients than account managers, just to give you a sense of, of the ratio. And our teams are almost structured more like a consulting firm with sort of senior engagement uh, managers and then associates and analysts who work under the, the, the manager kind of behind the scenes doing a lot of that work. I've got one more question, Robert, for you before I hand off to uh, to Jay. Um, and this is something I've thought about, and I've wondered why I haven't asked this question to other people that we've had on the show that have come from agency or professional service or consulting backgrounds. You know, and that is kind of what's the one biggest piece of advice that you give your clients that you could be utilizing for acceleration partners? What's, what's the one thing that you're not doing? The cobbler's kids are going barefoot on one thing. Yeah, I mean, we got called out on this by one of our coaches, but but we and we've so we've tested this, but we should be using more performance based marketing in terms of the leads that are coming to us. Or we've even played around with this on the recruiting side. Instead of working with uh, you know recruiters that we haven't had a great experience with, I could go to anyone and say, if you bring me someone in any of these roles that meets my criteria and they stay here, I'll pay you $10,000. Yeah, be your own recruiter. Yeah. Right. I, I can basically create a crowdsourced recruiting program. We'll take, be happy to put one of those links on the Social Pros uh, <laughs> podcast uh, show notes page, socialpros.com, right. where we have transcripts of every single episode and you can just go there and get a job at Acceleration Partner. Per- per- Adam perfect. and I are going to take it and buy tequila. That's what they're our, 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 Yeah, you'll have to tell me. Uh, well, I'll have to try the good tequila with you. We'll make um, but yeah, we, we actually do that. Our employees do that. So when they use their referral links, we can tell where it came from. And what we say to them is, look, share it on Facebook because you might know your, but your friend's friend might not know about the That's job. It. And it yeah. could go two generations away and we can, we can track it back to you. So yeah, we need to use more of our own performance marketing, but we, we actually, there is somewhere where you can sign up on our site and kind of be a freelance recruiter. And for us, it's like a free look at the person, send us someone. And if we end up hiring them and they stay, I'm happy to pay you. You heard it there first people. Two questions we're going to ask you, Roberto, that we ask every single person on this show going back almost eight years now, which is hard to believe. Question number one, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? I mean, it sounds, it sounds trite, but, but I guess there's two answers to this question. You know, do something you really believe in or are passionate about, or because we said before, it's hard to fake it, right? You're just going to be better at something that you're, you're authentic at. And I would say the second part of that is, particularly if you're on the younger side of your career, focus more on getting the right mentor under the right people, the right learning. If you, if you, what's amazing, I'm sure you've seen this, Jay, if you go on to see like all these great leaders at companies like LinkedIn, all these places, and who they worked for early on in their career, they were all these uh, amazing leaders. So I, I see people chasing jobs for $1,000 or $500 uh, and switching around. It, it, it is, I think it's much better to dive in and find the best person in the industry or in your industry, work for them for a while, learn from them, and that will take you a lot further. Boy, that is such good advice. And, and I wish we talked about that more here on the show. I am certainly a product of, of that good fortune. You know, it's the same thing in sports, right? You, you see 
all the good managers and coaches played for good managers and coaches, like yeah. almost uniformly. That's not an accident. Uh, and I think you're right. You know, chase, chase, chase your boss, chase, chase a mentor. Don't chase uh, $500 and a, and a title. There's an argument that you would offer yourself to free for free to some people. Sure. And the LTV of that would be far higher, you know, based on, on where you worked and who you worked for than, uh, than otherwise. Well done. Last question for you, Robert Glazer, who is the CEO of Acceleration Partners Performance Marketing Geniuses. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be? Probably a more recent answer, but I, at this point, I would say Ray Dalio. Um, I read the book Principles. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's right over here on my, on my shelf, and it's awesome. I mean, it's a top five, I think, all-time management leadership book. There's a lot of things that they have done that we have tried to do that they were 20 years ahead on. And he's really thought through it all. And I, I would love to pick his brain and learn about some of the stuff they're doing and ask him about how to do some of the stuff that we're doing better. Yeah, that's a great answer. And one that we've not had here, I don't believe on the Social Bills podcast in the past, but boy, what a good book. He, he and I share a literary agent and, and my agent sent me an, an early copy of that book. And I was like, holy yeah. cow. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long book. There's a lot in there and it is, it, it's like a, it's like an MBA in a book. <laughs> I've never put as many red flags or yeah. marks, I think on a book I've read in the last five years as I have it on a book. Like, it's almost just, it's, it's funny though, you read that book, you read right. that book, you're like, God, I suck. You're like, I'm saying like, I'm so not good at this. Right. And I'm like, I thought I was good. And then you get to like page 32. You're like, man, I suck. If you're running a high performance business, there's a page that answers everything in that book. You know, difficult yeah. conversations, page 237, you know, question about value page, page 211. It's, it's really, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's a long read, but, but we made our, our whole leadership team read it and everyone really enjoyed it. That's great. A good answer. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe we'll put a performance marketing link uh, to Terry uh, Dalio's principal. Amazon affiliate. I do have an Amazon affiliate link. We just never Perfect. use it. Um, yeah. We probably should, but we never do. And we'll link up your book uh, as well. When's the new book coming out? Uh, the new book's coming out next September. Fantastic. We'll make sure to have you back on the show uh, and talk about that when the time is right. Until then, he is Robert Glazer from Acceleration Partners. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Make sure you go to socialpros.com for all the show notes, transcripts, recordings, links, special surprises dating back, whatever, 350 episodes, whatever number we're on now. Uh, there is a treasure trove of stuff for you there. Until next week, thanks so much for listening to Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And it's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.